0: connection group, home group, leaders of the uh, men's group, and uh, that's one of my, I guess we're going to have some heckling here, as Keith has told me this morning, we're going to have. This is my iPod. This is, is, I don't have any new technology, and this is the way I have to do it. So, iPad, okay. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay, there's the iPhone. Yeah, I, I, uh, I don't type my notes here, so. Uh, a couple announcements I have. Uh, in the bulletin, it says that we're going to be in Chillicothe, and that is not correct. We will be at my house this Wednesday at 7 o'clock. Uh, guys, if uh, uh, you haven't been there, you're more than welcome. It's, uh, we're, uh, we're nothing fancy, we just hang out and uh have a good time uh to tell the guys in my group or if you want to start we're going to be doing this study It's a book called crazy love um i just uh got done reading this book and it's uh puts a lot of things in perspective Uh, i want to read a couple things out of just to give you some kind of an idea um One of the things in it says, the heading of it says, are you ready? It says, as a pastor, I'm often called upon when life vanishes vanishes like a mist. And one of the most powerful examples I've seen of this was Stan Gerlach, a successful businessman who was well-known in the community. Stan was given a eulogy at a memorial service when he decided to share the gospel. At the end of his message, Stan told the mourners, you never know when God is going to take your life. At that moment, there's nothing you can do about it. Are you ready? Then Stan sat down, fell over, and died. His wife and sons tried to recitate him, but there was nothing they could do, just as Stan had said a few minutes earlier. I'll never forget receiving the phone call and heading over to the Gerlach house. Stan's wife, Susie, was just arriving home. She hugged me and cried and one of her sons, John, stepped out of the car weeping and he asked me, did you hear the story? Did you hear? And I'm so proud of him, my dad died doing what he loved doing most and he was telling people about Jesus. I was asked to share a word with everyone gathered. And there were children, grandchildren, neighbors, and friends. And I opened my Bible to Matthew 10, 32, 33. Whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before men, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. And I ask everyone to imagine what it must felt like for Stan. One moment, he was in a memorial service saying to a crowd, this is who Jesus is and the next he was before God hearing Jesus say this is who Stan Gerlach is one second he was confessing Jesus and a second later Jesus was confessing him amen the next story Brooke was a beautiful 14 year old girl who was in love with Jesus and when she was in junior high she started a Bible study on her campus she spent her babysitting money on Bibles so she could give them out to her unsaved friends. Youth pastors who heard about this brought her boxes of Bibles to give away. And Brooke was the following. Brooke wrote the following essay when she was about twelve. It will give you an idea of what kind of girl she was. It's called Since I Have My Life Before Me. I'll live my life to the fullest. I'll be happy. I'll brighten up I will be more joyful than I have ever been I will be kind to others I will loosen up I will tell others about Christ I will go on adventures and change the world I will be bold and not change who I really am I will have no troubles but instead help others with their troubles you see I'll be one of those people who live to be history makers at age I want to say that again you see I'll be one of those who live to be history makers at a young age oh I'll have moments good and bad but I will wipe away the bad and only remember the good in fact that's all I remember just good moments nothing in between just living my life to the fullest I'll be one of those people who go somewhere with a mission an awesome plan a world-changing plan, a nothing will hold me back I'll set an example for others. I will pray for direction. I have my life before me, and I will give others the joy I have, and God will give me more joy. And I will do everything God tells me to do. I will follow the footsteps of God. I will do my best. During her freshman year of high school, Brooke, Brooke was in a car accident while driving to the movies. And her life on earth ended when she was just 14. But her impact didn't. Her impact didn't. Nearly 1,500 people attended Brooks' memorial service. People from her public high school read poems she had written about her love for God, and everyone spoke of her example and her joy. I shared the gospel and invited those who wanted to know Jesus to come up and give their lives to Him. And there must have been 200 students on their knees at the front of the church praying for salvation. Ushers gave Bibles to each of them. They were Bibles that Brooke had kept in her garage, hoping to give out all of her unsaved friends. And one day, Brooke led more people to the Lord than most ever will. In her brief 14 years on earth, Brooke was faithful in Christ. Her, her short life was not wasted, and the words from her essay seemed prophetic. You see, I'll be one of those people who live to be history makers at a young age amen so in our group this book we're gonna we're going to study there's a study on this and I'll get it ordered and and uh, but this is a awesome read and uh, it's just amazing that I will be a history maker each and every one of us in here can be a history maker amen okay we're going to go to first Corinthians 13 and Galatians 5 if you want to Hold your finger or mark it or however you want to do this. As you're doing that, I'm going to read on the back of this because the message today is going to be about love. God is love. Have you ever wondered if we're missing it? It's crazy. If you think about it, the God of universe, the God of the universe, the creator of nitrogen, pine needles, Galaxies, E minor, loves us with a radical, unconditional, self-sacrificing love. And what is our typical response? We go to church, we sing songs, and we try not to cuss. Whether you're verbalized it yet or not, we all know something's wrong. Does something deep inside your heart long to break? free from this status quo. That's a question. Are you hungry for an authentic faith that addresses the problems of the world with tangible, even radical solutions? God is calling you to a passionate love relationship with himself. Because the answer to religious complacency isn't working harder at the list of do's and don'ts, it's falling in love with God, and once you encounter His love, you'll never be the same. I believe the love of Christ is the only thing that we can stand on today. I believe that with all my heart. And I asked myself, in doing this study, I asked myself, why is love so hard? And one of the things that I wrote down, and I'm one of those that just tell it how it is, it seems like I spend more time not loving than I do loving. Here's a story that I, as my wife, I like to tell stories. I think stories are good. As my wife and I sat in our kitchen a few weeks ago, this is is me telling the story. As my wife and I sat in our kitchen a few weeks ago with a son and daughter whose dad was dying of cancer, there was something I seen that I knew was important but took it for granted. The dad had left when the daughter was somewhere around six, son was a teenager, and they had not seen their dad for years. That dad had been to the hospital, or they, that day, they had been to the hospital to see their dad. And on their way home, they stopped by our house. And the thing that still stands out to me is the son was doing okay, and the daughter, at 40-some years old, sat there like a little six-year-old girl saying, Why? What did I do? What did I do wrong? living all those years without her dad, and now her dad is dying. My heart was so broken, but in that brokenness, God spoke very clear to, clearly to me. That is why the Father is so important. Me included. Let's don't take fatherhood for granted. As fathers, we don't know how we affect our children. Think about how our Heavenly Father affects us. He never leaves us, nor forsakes us, and He loves us unconditionally. Amen? Okay, 1 Corinthians 13. And I'm going to break, we're going to read from one to, or we're just going to read the whole chapter. And uh, we're going to break down each one. And like I said, this is about love. Though I speak with the tongues, verse 1, Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. I wrote down that in verse 1, greatness, but have not love, never remembered. Verse 2, And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries of all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so I could remove mountains that have not love, I am nothing. God speaking through us, having power, having knowledge, having all of that, and not have love, it means nothing. Verse 3, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned but not have love, it profits me nothing. We can do all the right works in the body of Christ, do what the church wants me to do, but have not love, it profits profits us nothing. Verse 4, love suffers long. That's one thing I think about love that's so hard. I feel like I'm going this way. I'm going this way. The thing about love suffers long, I think we have a hard time with that and not realizing that there's things that last a long time, and love is the only thing that can get us through that. And we want to give up so easy and so quickly. It says that love suffers long. Love suffers long and it is kind, and love does not envy Love does not parade itself, it is not puffed up. What does envy mean? It means resentment over, desire for others, advantages. Love does not parade itself, love is not arrogant. Arrogant means self-importance, look at me, look at me, look at me, It's not what love does. Verse 5. Does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, and thinks no evil. Provoked means to anger, to stir it up, and it thinks no evil. And in my Bible, on the word evil, that means love, love keeps no account of evil, is what that verse is saying. Love thinks no evil. So here's where I want to hang out for a second. If love keeps no account of evil, what does that mean? Love helps us to forgive. If God is love, then that means God keeps no account of evil and all we do all day is talk about evil things in the world and then at 6 10 and 11 in that box in our house we allow evil to just come at us so I ask myself if God keeps no account of evil and all we do is keep account of evil does that put us on the same page God does not keep account of evil yet that's what we talk about that's what we listen to all day long and we need to quit thinking one of the things we're going to read about is uh, love cast out all fear here in a little bit and I was thinking about that and I thought what is fear there's a, there's a scripture that says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of our knowledge. And if you look at that word fear, it means respect. But then I think the word fear means afraid also. And I think the God, you can still love me, I think the God that we create, we're not afraid of, but I think the true God, because who He is, we, we make ourselves afraid. He keeps no account of evil. He loves us. We need to quit allowing the evil to come in. And I think that's what separates us, is we're so full of the world that we still think we're connected, but we are separated. God doesn't want us to be separated from Him. He gives us His fullness. He wants our fullness. Verse 6. Love does not rejoice in sin. Let's go to Galatians 5. I'm going to start at 16. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. 17. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to the one another, so that you do not do these things that you wish. Remember, we just read, love is not sin. 18. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness. And I looked up the word lewdness. Lewdness means obscene and indecent. I don't need to go there. Idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, Outburst of wrath, anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, 21. Envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the the like, of which I tell you before, just as I also told you in the past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Here's a question that I ask. In this last part, it says, In these things won't inherit the kingdom of God. And the question that I wrote down is If these things will not inherit the kingdom of God, how do they get in the church? How do they get in the church? God is love. And if we don't understand that or fathom that, that's how that gets in the church. God is not any part of that. So let's quit thinking that we can do those things and be in love with God. 22 says... But the fruit of the Spirit, and the first word is, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering. There's that word again. Long suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control, and against such there is no law. That all that stuff sounds like love. All that sounds like love. Gotten ahead of myself here. And those who are in Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And let us not become conceited, provoking one another. Envy one another. What I take from this is that we live in love, so let's walk in love. When it says that we walk in the Spirit, let's walk in love, or let's live in love so we can walk in love. Let's go to 1 John 4. Starting with verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this love of God was manifested towards us that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And no one, in verse 12, And no one has been, no one has seen God, at any time if we love one another God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us one of the things out of that scripture is that we can't be a perfect person but I believe that love can be perfected in us we can't be a perfect there was only one perfect person that was Jesus Christ But I believe his love can be perfected in us. I believe that's what that's saying. 13. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son as the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us, and God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God in him. 17. Love has been perfected among us in this that we may have boldness in the day of judgment Because as He is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love Him because He first loved us. Here's, Here's one. In verse 20, if someone, and I listen to this, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can you love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. I think uh, sometimes we say that we love God, yet there's unforgiveness in our heart. There's someone that's made us mad or angry at someone. Someone has hurt us. We've not let it go. And that's not what God is. There's somewhere in here that says something about love our enemies. Tough. Hard. But we have to be a people that is able to put those things aside and to still be able to love saying it to me. To put the things of this world to the side and to be able to love. we It seems like we'd rather get caught up with the things of this world than to love. And that's all God wants us to do is to love. He, one of the commands: love me with all your heart. Love your neighbor. That's what He wants. I was watching the uh, uh, Passion of Christ the other night. And there was a scene where uh, he w- he'd already been beaten, and he was carrying the cross, and they were going back into clips of uh, what had taken place. And I remember at the at the at the Last Supper when he was sitting there with the disciples, and th- the thing that he said was, "You have to love one another." And I was looking at that as he was going through all this. All this beating, all this crucifying, for us, going through all that, and and the way I understand it, what that movie showed of that isn't even half of what, he was mutilated, going through all of that, and he says, you have to love one another. Then he even goes on and says, forgive them, for they not know what they've done. So I look at that. And I think, how can that guy, how can that guy, if we believe, how can that guy go through all of that yet care so much for us and then what we have to go through, those are not our words. And I'm not here to convict or condemn, or God's just waking my eyes up to, I need to love more than not love. And I need to not get so caught up in everything because I'm turning into a non-loving person. I, have, I am so blessed with a great family, a great everything. I, I could, There's a list from here to China that's great. Yet, in all that, I have a hard time finding love. And hopefully God's going to change that. Hopefully. Hopefully He is changing that. So that's what, I want to, that's what I want to point out is God is love. We have to realize that, that God is love. And this is the things that He's saying that love is and love isn't. And I think sometimes we get caught up in the and live... And the love isn't. And need to be caught up in the love is. I truly believe that. And hopefully that's not confusing. But we need to be caught up in the love what love is. There's people, even ourselves, we do wrong things, we do bad things. But we don't need to get caught up in that because God doesn't get caught up in that. Okay? Verse seven in um, First Corinthians, back to First Corinthians. Verse seven Love bears all things. Love believes all things, love hopes all things, and love endures all things. question is, do we believe that? Do we believe that? And bears all things, maybe there is something in your life that is hard to get through. Love will get you through it. There are things that are hard to believe for. There's things that I got going on right now that that I'm believing God for. And it's hard. It's, it's real hard because the things that I see go the other way. And I need to believe in what I don't see. The Bible says that the things that we see are only temporary. The things that we don't see are forever. But the things in what I there's something I'm believing in and I'm trusting in, but the things that I see aren't going that way, but I need to know that love is in believing all things. Hope. There are something you are hoping for. Keep loving. Keep loving. If you're hoping for something. Maybe there's a family member you're hoping to get saved. Maybe there's something you're hoping to happen. Keep loving. Love will get you through that. Endure. We are all enduring things. All of us. We all are. Love will keep us enduring. Verse eight. Love never fails. Love never fails. Always remember this in any decision decision making that love is the right way love is the right way no matter if the rest of the crowd is going the other way love is the right way but it goes on to say here but whether there are prophecies they will fail whether there are tongues they will cease whether there is knowledge It will vanish away for we know in part and we prophesy in part but when that which is perfect which the word perfect in this verse means complete but when that which is perfect complete has come then that which is in the part which is in in part will be done away when I was a child I spoke as a child and understood as a child And I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know, just as I also am known. And now abide in faith, which the word abide means to remain, stay, to dwell, to reside, to remain faithful to. But when it says, and now abide, that means now I'm going to stay, I'm going to remain, and I'm going to dwell and reside in faith, hope, and love. And of these three, but the greatest one of these is love. Back to my original question why is love hard? because a lot of these things we just talked about separates us from God which is love So we need to realize that the things that we just talked about that's not of God separates us from God I remember in foundations class 15 years ago Bill Whitfield had a a board and he drew an arrow And it had a point on each end. And this arrow up here was God. And this was, I think he wrote me. God and me. And when these things happen that's not of love, he took an eraser and separated that arrow. And I think sometimes we get caught up in that we think we're okay. That we can do those things and walk in those things and walk in unforgiveness. Walk in anger, walk in hatred, and we think that we're still connected. We gotta realize is we we separated that. We made that eraser mark in that arrow. And we know what bridges that back together is repentance. And that can be bridged back. So we need to. Make sure that we're not walking around as a body of Christ being separated from God. We need to quit wearing masks and do what God wants us to do. Love Him with all of our heart and love our neighbors. And spend time with God. He loves us so much. I don't think we even realize how much He really, really loves us. He, he really really loves us and you know the Bible says his thoughts are not our thoughts and his ways are not our ways. but if we could just get this love thing down I think that if we could get love so deep in our heart I think it would draw others you know in this building not in this church in this building it's easy it's easy it's out there is where love gets put on the back burner. And my prayer is that we all fully understand what love is. Love is God. And if we say that we love, then God's in it. And we really need to realize that this other stuff is not in love. And we need to understand that. We need to understand forgiveness is a biggie. Unforgiveness is a biggie. I mean, it's. Uh, I think it's silent. I really do. I think that unforgiveness is such a silent. We can hide it, but it's there. And and uh, I think that if we can uh, get through unforgiveness, all of us has been hurt somehow, some way, and some of us probably haven't gotten rid of it, and we need to do that. Let's stand. I got a story I want to share. I had a a one uh, to to show a video, uh, and I know some of you heard this story, um, but it's a father and a son, and the son and the father was a um, a drawbridge master, and he was a single parent, and he just in this video just showed how much he loved his son. He, any free time, matter of fact, at work his son was even there. And uh, it shows him walking through this train depot as people are getting on the train and people are just realizing as the father and son are walking through this train depot, there's a couple people that catch their eyes that as they walk by they just, they look at them. So the train master, the father, goes up and gets in his where he works at and that controls the drawbridge and the sun's down plain and here comes a train and it's got all these people on it and uh... there must have something must have happened to where the signals didn't get correctly because the train drawbridge was up and there was a lever that stuck and the sun even noticed the lever being stuck, and as the son runs towards this lever to change this lever, the father is screaming at him, no, 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 and the son reaches down to get the lever and falls through down into the gears that run the drawbridge, so the father is standing at his lever with a choice to make. Does my son get sacrificed for these people or do I let these people die? And he pulled the lever and the drawbridge came down and the son was sacrificed. On this bridge, on this train, there was one girl that had a spoon, she had heroin, and she was heating up this heroin in her train car. And as she, as the train went by, the father was standing there, just crying, because the son was gone. And as she caught glimpse of that, it was almost she believed what was sacrificed for her. And the spoon and the lighter dropped from her hands. In the next scene, it shows the father just standing on a sidewalk. And here's a lady holding a baby. And it shows the father and this girl showing eye to eye. And she realized that the son had been sacrificed and her life was changed. But the father's love for her changed her life. And it shows the the father with his hands up in the air and he's rejoicing because he knew what the sacrifice had done. The love, what the love had sacrificed for. I just want to take a minute here with all heads bowed, eyes closed. I just want to pray. Father, when we say that we love you, God, we want to mean that. God, you love us so unconditionally. No matter what we do, God, you love us. God, help us to have that love for others, God. To not get caught up in what they do, what they've done. God, help us. God, help us to love. Help us to love one another, God. God, I pray, God, if there's anyone in here... God, that is angry with one another, God. I pray that be settled today, God. That love replace that angry, God. I pray, God, in our spirits, God, where there is unforgiveness, God, I pray, God, that we replace that with love. Lord, I pray, God, where there's hate, that we replace that with love, God. God, I pray, God, that we get a hunger for your word, God, that we can get deep in your word and listen to what you say, God, to listen to what you say that love is and what love isn't, God. God, I pray that, uh, God, that we desire a time to spend with you, God, as the average Christian spends 10 minutes with you a day, God, I pray, God, that we spend more time with you, God, knowing who you are God knowing your love help us to be a body that loves God we can do as your word says we can do all these great things but not have love we've profited nothing God help us in what we do God that we're full of love that love just overflows this community overflows this body God overflows in our family God God, help us to understand your love. God, as we get tired, God, as we get weary, God, love is the last thing we think of, God, but help us, God, to put love in first place in those times, God. So, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is alive today, God. We love you and we honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.